Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is about coaches impacting coaches. We believe that coach mentoring is an essential part of coaches getting better at their craft in our profession. We bring in the best high school basketball coaches in the country to share their vision on what it takes to run a successful basketball program. So stay tuned for another edition of the Championship Vision Podcast with your host, Coach Kevin Furtado, the head girls basketball coach at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 259 with Coach Tony Wolf. I'm so excited to have Coach Wolf, really a true legend out here in Georgia. Um, this topic today is culture first. Uh, he's going to talk about what do you need to do to lay a great culture first foundation at your school. Coach Wolf is the athletic director at Buford City High School and former girls softball and baseball uh, coach at Buford for many quite a few years. Wolf has been the head coach of the Lady Wolf softball team since 2007. He's all, he was also the head coach of the baseball team serving in that capacity from 97 to 2017. Wolf has been part of an impressive 12 state championship teams between the two teams. He led the Lady Wolves with a final overall record of 429 and 78 and two, 11 region championships and 10 state championships. In 2019, Wolf was inducted into the Georgia Dugout Club Softball Hall of Fame and also Baseball Hall of Fame, solidifying his legacy on softball and baseball in the state of Georgia. Let's welcome Coach Tony Wolf. Coaches, uh, hey, welcome back again to the Championship Vision Podcast, episode 249, 259, sorry, sorry, Tony, 259. Um, hey, we, we got a special guest today. I know I always say that about my guests, but we really do. Um, Tony's not going to admit it, but uh, he's a legendary coach out here. He's done so much for the game uh, and so much for athletics here in the Georgia High School Association uh, that, uh, I mean, it, it, he's unbelievable. And we're so glad to have him here. Um, hey, today he's the athletic director of Buford City High School and also former baseball people forget that tony was a great baseball coach and also uh an unbelievable softball coach at buford uh, he has recently retired now he's totally focused on being a great athletic director so tony welcome to the podcast i appreciate it thank you for having me on i'm looking forward to it absolutely and our topic today is going to be uh, the, uh just the culture mindset like i don't think enough coaches put enough time into culture first attitude and i know you guys do i'm telling you that buford you guys do a tremendous job as a overall program building that culture i really want you to share with us how you guys do it so we can learn i also have my co-host pete acock a longtime friend and mentor he's going to be uh also sharing ideas and asking questions for tony uh hey tony let's get into i i, I studied so much about what you've done your past i want you to share with us you know, how you got into coaching, where are you from, and um, kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'll be glad to. Um, I'm originally from Gainesville. Um, got to play at uh, Gainesville High School for some legendary coaches. And um, Bobby Groon, who the football field is named after up there, was my football coach. And um, a guy named Jim Carter was our baseball coach. And uh, uh, Jim probably – 
to get most of the credit for why I'm in coaching today. Uh, he had a huge influence on me, um, probably based a lot of how I coach on, on the things I, I watched him do. And um, so I was really, really fortunate to be around some great coaches back in those days. Uh, went, went to a small college route to play ball, play baseball in college. And uh, um Graduated, didn't have a teaching degree, uh, was working uh, park and recreation in Forsyth County for a number of years and coaching uh, some travel baseball just to help kids out and give back, you know, because so many people poured into me. An opportunity came to came up to come to Buford. So I got to Buford in the fall of 1996. This is my 26th year here. Uh, we had 420 students back then, <laughs> had 23 baseball players, grades 8 through 12. I think Coach Chester had 23 seniors on this past year's team alone. But, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just have been at Buford ever since. Coached football for 10 years, head baseball coach for 21 years, and head softball coach for 14. And so um, had two daughters graduate from Buford. Uh, one played uh, – Softball, ran track, and played basketball for Gene. Uh, the other one um, played softball and played tennis. And so, you know, as you follow your kids around, you get to see a lot of the other sports. And, and, and I think that's helped me as an AD, being aware of not just the sports I coach, but when my kids played other sports, seeing their needs and the importance of those sports for those kids too. So that's kind of the 60-second the version of it. <laughs> and I know you've had an illustrious career, and I know you want you don't want to hear all the numbers. And I'm not in, in the numbers and state championships as well. Maybe because I haven't won one, Tony. I don't I don't know. But uh, I've been around a long time. But 12 state championships. So what's amazing about that is you had a lot of success on the baseball side, winning two, and then softball winning ten. Um, your overall record 429 and 78 and two. Your consistency is unbelievable on that. And I really want you to talk about how you built that from scratch, um, uh, particularly your softball program and how you established your culture. Yeah, you know, consistency is a great word. And it's, and it's one, I, I was talking to some coaches last night at our ninth grade football game. And, uh, you know, developing a consistent program to me is always, you know, a key. And, and I think you, you know, when you look at real powerhouse programs, there's a consistency about it. There's the style of play, the way the kids work, the way they go about it. And so uh, you mentioned earlier about culture, and, 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 you know, that's one of my key jobs here as AD is to try to make sure we've got a, a, a culture that's similar across our entire athletic department. And, uh we were fortunate that Dexter Wood gets a lot of credit for, for the early days, and I say early days, the late 90s and, and early 2000s of trying to create a championship culture at Buford. Um, the folks that, like myself that got to coach for him were, were able to take those to the other sports we coached. And, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're a little different. Everybody outside of Buford talks about championships. Inside of Buford, we never talk about championships. We talk <laughs> about culture. Right. And, you know, um, the championships are great, uh, but, you know, they're not the end-all, be-all. Uh, and I know that's easy for me to say with so many, but, um, you know, I, I, I was speaking the other day, and I coached 45 seasons here and had 15 championships, three as an assistant coach in football. Um that's 30 seasons that didn't end in a championship. And you got to have a reason to coach besides winning championships. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out your place and, and, and what you really value. Um, for me, with our softball program, we had some real standards that we believed in. We didn't have a lot of rules. I'm a big standards guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're going to try to live up to standards every day. And those standards can go from – you know, each and every year. Um, so for us uh, in, in the game of softball, we wanted to be fundamentally better than everybody else in the state of Georgia. 
And uh, so we started this deal where we had a fundamental period in, in, in softball practice every day. Um, and we identified it by position. And, and there's no great, you know, enlightening things in that. But the first baseman skills are different than the shortstops. And the third basemans are different than a right fielder. And so we literally, as a coaching staff, sat down and, and, and identified the five things those position, each position would be asked to do repeatedly or most often. Um, and then we set up a fundamental period along those same lines. Um, we did that fundamental period every day of practice uh, for 10 years, every single day. And... Uh, I, I think that did a couple of things for us. Um, our kids played with with a, a, uh, a confidence because they repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly practiced what they were going to be asked to do in games. I think it helped us play faster. And, and, and our kind of the things that our teams heard from me the most were play fast, play hard, have fun, be family. And that's kind of who we were and what we tried to be every day. Uh, but you have to practice in a way that allows you to play fast and be confident. And if you ask kids to do things they are they are not prepared to do and, and, and can't do just, you know, on muscle memory, then they're not going to play confident and they're certainly not going to play fast. So those were some of the things, uh, you know, getting a buy-in. Um, we built our program on, on – three pieces, uh, trust, delight, and commit. And, and it comes from the Bible, and there's a long story behind that. But um, the challenge for our kids were trusting the coaches and trusting each other, uh, delight in being a part of this every day, and be committed to it. And if you can trust in, in the people around you, you can find joy in being on the field with your team representing, you know, the uh, the school you love and playing the sport you love. If you'll just be all in and be committed, uh, good things will happen to you. And, and it served us really well uh, over all those years. And, you know, there's, there's 1800 pieces to the culture, but, you know, that's <laughs> kind of the baseline of how it started. Yes. And is that, is that the Buford way? Because the one thing I've been around Buford, I know a lot, I know a lot of the coaches, it seems to be consistent throughout all the programs. Um, when you mentioned fundamentals, I think of Gene Durden. Oh, yes. I, I argue with people all the time. Yes, Gene has – he has good players, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. But also, every one of his kids are very sound fundamentally. And kids that are probably – probably maybe not as talented perform fundamentally very good above their level. So I know fundamentals is, is true throughout your whole program, correct? Yes, it is. And, you know, and that's part of my job as AD is to communicate kind of what we believe in as an athletic program. And it, it really started in football with Dexter and then Jeff Simpson took the football program over and, you know, phenomenal run he had. And, 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 and each of those guys and myself, you look at Gene Durden and, and, and so many more believe that fundamentals are more important than scheme. And you can have all the great scheme in the world, but if you're not fundamentally sound, you're not going to win. So I, I tell people that in softball, we had four signs. We, we bunt, we take, um, we steal, and we have hit and run. And that was it. I, I, I know a lot of people have all these fake bunt, do this, and, you know, and all those kind of things. And I just wanted to catch the ball clean, make clean throws, run the bases well and swing the bat, you know, uh, properly. And if we did those things, we were going to be really good. But, yeah, fundamentals are so important to, to the development. And when I interview coaches for uh, different positions here, that's one of the, the things I spend a lot of time. Sorry, our lights go out. I don't move around. But it's one of the things I talk to them quite a bit is that, that you know, we're going to win based on fundamentals. We're not winning on being – smarter than everybody else and out scheming everybody else. Certainly we're going to do our due diligence. Gene, Gene is, is become a very skilled coach in terms of the schemes, the plays, the, you know, the sets they run, but he wins with fundamentals. His kids yeah. win, not because they're the best athletes. They win because 
they have developed their skill to a greater level many times. And that's what we've tried to do with all our programs. Uh, you can take an average athlete and, and, and develop their skills, create a confidence them through that fundamental process uh, that gives them a confidence to compete against somebody who's more athletic, quite frankly. Yeah, and it goes back to, you mentioned a lot of foundational core principles, I think every right. program needs. I don't think enough programs in Georgia have that. Um, discipline's a key word in fundamentals. I think a lot of coaches, I don't think they're disciplined themselves to teach the fundamentals because it's boring. Um, you got to master the boring, correct, coach? Yes, sir. I, you're right. Discipline, and people think of discipline as a, like punishment, but... For us, discipline is is doing what you need to do uh, when it's needed to be done. And it doesn't matter what you feel like. You know, and there's days where I don't feel like having energy at practice. And there's days when our kids don't. They've had a bad day. You know, parents are mad at them. Teachers gave them a bad grade. You know, <laughs> the boyfriend or girlfriends, you know, and none of those things matter. The standard is you know, we're going to have a great practice and we're going to be disciplined and set those things aside. Uh, we get inside the fence, we get inside, we get on the floor, whatever the sport is, um, have a discipline about how we work. And um, we talk around here a lot about how we do anything, how we do everything. Sure. Um, you're undisciplined in the locker room, it'll show up on the basketball floor or the football field or the softball field. You're undisciplined in the halls or the classroom. It's the same mentality, and we've seen the good of that around here many times. We've also seen the bad of it from time to time. And uh, so having a, a discipline throughout your program, and, and, and I will tell people, we have the advantage of K through 12. We have a dress code, and we have a no cell phone policy, for example. Our kids are held accountable to that each and every day. Uh, so if they have to meet that dress code, they have to meet the standards of no cell phone. Um, and, you know, I know we're last of the hard and all that and that, but, but if you, if they're held accountable and they're disciplined first through seventh period, it's much easier for them to be that same way after school and practice. And, um, so I, I'll tell you, part of the secret of our success is our whole school has kind of the same mindset. We're holding kids accountable. There is a standard for how we behave, how we act, how we participate, how we work, how we perform. And it starts in K and it goes all the way through. And we're able to continue that through our athletics. And uh, it's, 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 we've been really fortunate. And, and, and schools that don't have those same kind of things in place, I think it's harder to have that discipline. Uh, right. It's harder to hold people accountable because they don't receive it well when they haven't been held accountable all day. You know what I mean? And we know there's schools out there that struggle with that. And uh, so we're fortunate in that regard. Absolutely. On that. And, I, and my tough job here, I'm at Walnut Grove my first year over here, Coach, and I, I'm trying to establish a culture here. And Gene and I have spoken many times, um, you know, coming into a very difficult situation. They haven't won, haven't been successful. But there's reasons for it. Um, and uh, the hardest thing to do is, is, is right now we're doing fall workouts. We're constantly teaching accountability. Like, hey, step number one, show up. And oh, then we got to hold them accountable, right? I mean, you got to hold kids, kids accountable. Oh, absolutely. You do. And, and we preach it out here all the time. And it, it, it applies just as much to the hall between classes as it does everywhere else. There's sure. accountability for your language. You don't get to have bad language in the hallways and then go in the classroom and, you know, you don't get to do it all day and then come to practice and clean it up. No, it's expected you're this person 24-7. And if you're going to represent our program, you're going to wear a Buford on your jersey, then there's an expectation, a standard that you have to live up to. And I, I'm really familiar with Walnut Grove. Um, Back when Taylor was coaching the softball program, mm -hmm. we played them, I guess, a couple of years, and I think both years were in the state championship game. And uh, quite frankly, they were as good or better than us 
uh, one of the years. They, they were pretty phenomenal. And, right. Uh, uh, and people kind of marveled at how we were able to overcome a couple of things to, to find a way to win. And for me, it was all about confidence. In fact, your current coach, um, he was telling me after the championship game that particular year, it's been about five years ago, he said, you know, coach, we hit the home run to pull within one of you. And I look around your field and not one kid was phased by what we just did. It's like nobody, the facial expression, the body language didn't change with one single kid on the field. Your kids still knew they were going to win and we were still hoping to win. Right. And, you know, developing that is kind of like what you're talking about, trying to build in your program where, you know, for us, we tell kids it's only a big game because we're playing in it. You know, it, we're not getting too high or too low for anybody we're playing. It, it, it's all about us. And uh, we didn't scout opponents. And, and, and I know it's kind of embarrassing to say that now. We went 10 years. Well, we went 14 years. We never scouted a single opponent in softball. Not one. <laughs> Because the thought process, and our kids would ask sometimes about, you know, a team you're about to play in the playoffs, and I'm, it's all about us. We play to our level. We play to our standard. It don't matter who they are, and it doesn't matter what they have. We're prepared if they want to come. And, and like to put it in your sport, it don't matter if they press or if they have court trap. We're prepared for whatever they throw at us. And that's kind of the way we always approached it is that, we're going to be prepared for whatever comes our way and we we will find a way through our fundamentals and through our ability to grab on and believe in each other and be family we'll find ways to win and you know we just really gene talks to me all the time about the thing he loves in my softball kids coming to his basketball program is poise and we preach the word poise every single day at Buford. And that, you know, at Buford, as an athlete, you love to do hard things. And things can't get too hard for you. R regardless of situation, regardless how you're feeling, regardless of who we're playing, um, have that poise so that you're able to compete, you're able to overcome, you're able to face adversity and, and, and find ways to win. And, um, you know, this is it's like movie version. In 2008, we were playing Cal, Calhoun in, in Columbus in the state playoffs, state final four. Uh, Calhoun has the bases loaded and nobody out in the bottom of the seventh and scores 0-0. <laughs> zero, zero. Wow. We should lose. If ESPN did that probability thing, you know, Calhoun yeah. had a 99.9% .9 chance of winning. And I walked to the circle – and, and gathered the infield up and said, all right, so what did I tell you before the game? And, and, and you said, Coach, you said the teams are about equal, so whoever has the most poise wins. And I said, that's exactly right. Now you have a chance to prove it. Strike the girl out, first batter out with the bases loaded, pick the girl off third right after that, get a ground out the second, then the inning, and win it in the, in the extra innings. And – but having that ability to, to execute in the tightest of situations was something we were able to develop in our kids. I think that's partly because of the fundamentals, you know, and the confidence they were prepared. Um, and, and, you know, and just a belief in each other that our way was better than everybody else's. And, uh, you know, it, it probably wasn't, but, you know, our, our kids believed it was. And that's half the battle, as you know. Getting your kids to believe that want to grow in the things you're preaching and selling every day to them, it might not be better than somewhere else's. But if they believe it is, that's all that matters. Belief. That's 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 a key word right there, Coach. What I get from from what you're saying in the Buford way is really a some simplicity of doing the small details every single the daily grind of doing the little details, which I think a lot of coaches, probably including myself, we neglect. I mean, it's just the simple things 
every day. You didn't give me anything that was out of the ordinary as far as your core values, but you fight for that every day, right, Tony? Oh, absolutely. I, and, and I think that's where coaches don't understand. A lot of coaches, number one, you've got to, you, you do have to be committed to the little things because the little things lead to big things. And, and I promise you, I tell people all the time, I'd rather my team, everybody take an extra 50 ground balls than to spend 25 minutes putting in some extravagant pickoff play. <laughs> when I was coaching baseball, where you do have a lot of more, you know, pickoff situations, we practice pickoffs about three times a year. I know a lot of coaches that practice them daily. Well, I don't see them coming up very often in games, quite honestly. They, you know, that. How many times do you see, even in major leagues, do you see pitchers executing great pickoff moves? You know, right. so for us, major in the major, let's let's be fundamentally sound. Let's catch balls hit to us. Let's make great throws. Let's know where to throw the ball. And and for like in my sport with softball and baseball, we talk all the time about catching the ball with your feet. I, if I'm catching the ball with an intent of throwing the ball to second, my feet have to be set to throw it to second before I catch the ball. Don't catch it and then have to turn your body and make, you know, and get your feet set to throw there. I know you guys teach basketball. I hear it from Gene all the time about catching the ball ready to shoot. It's not catch the ball, then set up, then shoot. You know, it's kind of that similar thing. We won a series, we won a game in Columbus because their center fielder, we were a double-A back then playing Union County, their center fielder caught a ball flat-footed with a runner tagging up at third. We're mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. The inning before, we, our outfielder stayed behind the ball, caught the ball moving forward, threw their runner out, all because of fundamentals. Really wasn't because of who had more skill. Our fundamentals were just better. The other thing I think you have to fight for every day and you can never assume is your culture. And, and, and if you have it on Monday, you can't assume you still have it on Thursday. Not right. with teenagers. <laughs> and especially not with female teenagers. Uh, but but either case, and I took coach boys and girls, you know, forever. And, and Gene and I have had these conversations and Jess Simpson, when he was a football coach, uh, uh, Jess used to talk about uh, brutal, honest Mondays. The boys need to be told the brutal, honest truth once a week, and so it was brutal, honest Monday every day, every Monday. But I just think you have to fight for it. You, you know, you had it last year. Doesn't mean you're going to have it this year. You got a whole different set of leaders, uh, and you have to fight for it each day and each week because the slightest little thing can divide your team, can create problems within your program. Um, and that's the grind that the really good coaches, I think, do very well. Um, and, and maybe some some others, maybe not quite so much. That's a great point, Coach. And, and, and I think a lot of times, and, and, I, and, I, and I know we keep mentioning Gene, but he's such a great model master teacher, and that is he talks about if your team's not playing well, hey, it's the coach's fault. Uh, and I don't even know Absolutely. if correct word, but we're responsible for how our teams play. Um, as an athletic director, do you really how do you in, how do you emphasize that to your coaches to make them better? Well, you know, first off, we encourage, you know, and, and we have it a lot, but we basically encourage clinics need to be going on every day here. If you're not sharing with other coaches in other sports, and if you're not learning from other coaches in other sports, then something's wrong. And Gene's probably told you. For about seven or eight years, there were some of the greatest coaching clinics going on in the lunchroom when Gene and I had had lunch duty together. And, you know, and I'm learning from him, and he's trying to learn something from me, what little I could share with him. But I think that's part of it. I, I, I do think for me as an athletic director, trying to get us all headed in the same direction from a culture standpoint is, is really big. What what I don't want, quite honestly, is I don't want one program to have a great culture and people come to that game and they see kids who play really hard and they're bought in and they're coachable and they represent our community in a great way and in our school. And then another team goes out there and and, and 
presents a t totally different kind of vibe. And, and you know, and, and that happens from time to time. This team is more bought in and it has a but, – but for me, I want all our teams to have similar culture that we, that we all, you know, are going to play really hard. We're all going to be great teammates to each other. We're all going to be coachable. Coaches talking to a kid, the response is something that as fans we look and watch that we appreciate and we admire. We admire the young man or the young lady for how they handle that coaching moment. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm the coach of the coaches, but certainly my job is to serve and support them. I'm kind of the elder statesman now around here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm kind of the caretaker of what we've built here. And I won't be here forever. You know, I'm 61. I, I'd like to think I'm going to work, you know, four or five more, six more years, something like that. But there's no guarantees <laughs> of that. But I want to make sure our, our school athletic situation is is as good or better when I do leave. And, that uh, you know, the new coaches that come in understand what it took to make Buford outstanding and special in so many sports and how do we get these sports that are maybe not quite there? How do we get them to that point? Um, and, you know, trying to match coaches up with mentors and trying to create environments and processes where coaches can have some time together. Like I feed our entire athletic staff lunch one Friday a month and they have to come by lunch periods because of their teaching roles. Uh, but it creates different coaching staff sitting together. It's not like all the football coaches first lunch and all the basketball coaches second lunch. It is a mixture. So, you know, it may cost me $500 to feed the, the coaching staff once a month. <laughs> Part of it is, hey, guys, I appreciate everything you're doing. You don't get thanked enough. Here's one way I can do it. But what I really get is I get interaction with the soccer coach and the football coach and the tennis coach and the wrestling coach. I get those people together more. For you at your school, how often do you get to see coaches in other sports during your during your normal school day? Right. It, yeah. it, you know, and so <laughs> how does culture spread from what you're doing to somebody else's program if y'all are not ever getting to spend time together and talk? And it's kind of like collaborative teaching, you know, we're sure. and collaborative. We want that with our athletic programs. We want, I want people to hear Brian Appling and the job he's done with our football program the last two years. He's been here 16. He coached for Dexter Wood and Jess Simpson. He knows what it takes to be successful. He knows how to run a great program. And I need new, some of our new coaches to spend time with Coach Al. I need them to spend time with Gene. Uh, you know, Eddie Martin was a, another great one here, and he stepped mm -hmm. down, you know, and retired. But we bring in Benji Wood, who has a great reputation and a long history of success everywhere he's been. And, you know, Benji's got – he's still learning a little bit about Buford, even though he, Benji is a 1990 graduate of Buford. Right. The 90 version of Buford and the 2021 Buford, not quite the same. But he will certainly bring some special things with him in here. And, you know, there's things we can learn from him. And so we try to create that environment. We certainly spend time creating an environment where our head football coach is standing on the sidelines with the girls' soccer team all four playoff games last year. He goes and speaks to them before one game, and then he stands on the sidelines with them. The great thing about Buford is there's no jealousy. We're all for Gene Durden winning another state championship. We're all for Brian Appling winning another football championship. And and when you can create that that togetherness, that family within your athletic program, and there's not a jealousy, I think it helps. And and part of that is, hey, Kevin, how can you help me with my program? You know, we don't coach the same sport, but I know there's things you're doing that could help me with what I'm doing. And we sure. try to create that here athletically uh, each and every day. And you guys have crafted that <laughs> through hard work and so forth. You guys, you guys definitely have the model system that uh, people, the coaches that are listening definitely should adopt or adapt to. 
Coach Pete, what is your question for uh, Coach Wolf? Um, I want to just ask this question about the culture. I think you've gone, evidently, you know what you're doing. I mean, I think that's really, really obvious, and you kind of have it down pat. But I think that we have to be careful about what are the culture uh, killers. There are cultural killers out there. You can have a culture set in place, and all of a sudden you can have a great player that comes along, and he just can't hold the standards that you set. And when that happens, so many young coaches especially, they give in to that great player and allow him to um, look the other way and not hold the standards because he wants to win. And it's a tough decision. I've dealt with that myself. And I mean, one of the most talented players I ever had was a culture killer. And we had to make a hard decision. But I think the way you, you if you want to sum it up, I'm asking this question. My brother told me a long time ago when I was coaching my first job, he walked up to me one day and he said, Pete, he said, sarcasm does not make me play harder. It makes me want to quit. And he turned and walked away. I've never forgotten that. And there's a big difference between criticism and correction. Criticism says you're not good enough. You know, or it insinuates that. It's using something negative and it, and it, it brings a little shame on kids. But correction is another matter. Correction is you push them back on the correct path. And if your coaches don't understand that, they can destroy a great culture. Like with what y'all are doing there, you can get one coach come in that's powerful and wins maybe a state championship, but he's sarcastic everywhere he goes and he uses fear. I was brought up in the Bobby Knight era. Man, you talk about fear. You talk about sarcasm. Woo, it's something else because I went to all the clinics. But what is what do you do when you see that somebody is a culture uh, killer or a player is a culture killer? And how do you bring that, I guess, to the positive and change it for the good? Because I've seen it destroy a lot of programs. That's a great question. And, and it's certainly a, a, a real issue, probably more so in today's world than ever before. Um, you're right. A lot of people, when I grew up playing high school sports in the seventies, uh, fear was probably the number one motivator. And, right. Um, yeah. I shared with our coaches Absolutely. in our orientation meeting this year that, that, um, I read a quote to him from a, a, a very successful coach that said, when I started coaching, all I had was a hammer in my toolbox. Everybody in front of me got hammered. I'm just hammering away, trying to get them to do what I wanted them to do. He's like, later in life, I learned there's other ways to get there. And I needed more tools in my toolbox, so to speak. Um, I think we've all had to do that, especially the older coaches who are, you know, and it's a guy probably like, you know, anybody that's coached 20, 30 years has had to make some adjustments to their style of coaching because it's just a different world we live in. But um, um, I tell our coaches all the time, you can't be great without demanding, but you never better not ever cross the line from demanding to demeaning. And I, I think it's really important that we understand exactly. you will never get the best out of a kid if you're demeaning that kid all the time. You know, and every once in a while we're going to mess up but by and large, we got to coach from a positive mindset and from a positive standpoint. Um, and, and that's hard to do sometimes. Uh, and, and I've had a number of great players. Some of them were great kids to coach and were easy to coach. And some were harder to coach, quite frankly. You know, sometimes the most talented kid is not the easiest to coach. They bring a whole set of things that are, make them difficult. Um, one of the things that worked for me was trying to give them ownership. And so a couple of ways, um, for example, I had a kid that was a little bit 
he was really talented. He was exceptionally talented, quite frankly. Um, got very frustrated with the people around him not being as good as he was. And so for the first time in basically forever, I, I was like, you know, um, I'm turning the keys to the car over to you. The pitching staff is yours now. I decide who pitches. You're going to decide every pitch they throw and where they throw it at. And now you have responsibility for their success instead of griping about what they didn't do right or, you know, or just expressing your frustrations with their, with their shortcomings. It's now up to you because you're partnered in this completely with them to bring them along and get them to where you want them to be. That was very successful. I had another great player who didn't take coaching very well, thought they had all the answers and, you know, had arrived. And, and so I told him, guess what? Moving forward, and I told him this in private, every time we mess up, you're my target. I need those kids to know that I'm going to get on to you when we mess up. And if you're the kind of player you claim to be, you're going to take it in the right way. You're going to receive it in the correct way. Um, and so when we had players mess up, sometimes, it, guess what? I got on the best player, told them ahead of time. Had I not had the conversation with them, they don't take that well at all. Well, why am I having, why am I getting hollered at or why am I getting punished or disciplined because I'm the best player out here? Well, you're exactly right. You're the best player, so you're going to be the bell cow. I need you to be the leader of this program. When I address you about not doing something exactly the right way, all the other players jump in line because if coach will get on that player, he'll get on anybody. Um, it's another form of giving ownership. Hey, guess what? You're you're going to be the person that catches the brunt of it. Um, you probably won't deserve it most of the time. But if you're the leader that you claim to be and you're the player you claim to be, you're going to accept that and you're going to model how to be a great player in the sense of how to be coachable, how to be committed, how to take criticism or hard coaching and, and be able to move through that and move, come out the other side better for it. And, um, but, you know, I think it, every kid, different personality and a different environment they're coming from, different circumstances with parents and whatnot. And you have to, you really have to find what works best for that particular kid, depending on, you know, their character, their, the, you know, and their makeup. And so, I'll be honest, some of them I probably didn't do as, as good a job as I needed to. And, you know, with others, I was able to luckily or ever stumble into what would work to bring keep that kid from being that culture killer that, that you're talking about. Because if you coach long enough, you're going to have those kids. <laughs> For sure. I, yes, I tell coaches at clinics uh, when I'm speaking is that you have to find a way to win with your best player. You know, too often that best player kind of does their own thing and feels like they're entitled to this and that. And you will never build a championship culture if you've got a kid who thinks they're too good to do what everybody else is doing. Um, so how do you win with your best player? And I was like, yeah, everybody thinks that's easy until you have one of those. <laughs> and then that one that don't want to run sprints hard or don't want to, you know, whatever the case might be in your practice, um, you're wanting people to play game speed in practice and they're like too cool because they're already talented and the college coaches are already offering them and they don't think they have to practice at game speed. Well, no, if you don't, nobody else does. And everybody, you might could get by without it, but I need everybody else to be practicing at that game speed. Because you know, if you're doing anything that's not like game preparation, then you're just wasting your practice time. Coach, that, that's great insight right there. And I know you have to go. And I just have one more question. I know you're a busy man over there. Um, my last question is this. The 2017 girls softball team, if you had to pick, and I, you know, I've read so much about that team that 
and I'll, I'll kind of read you a quote. Those girls had a huge impact for all the girls at the school. This was quoted by you. It showed the other girls that they were capable of big things and winning titles. How did that come about and how has that impacted teams like currently? Well, you know, that was the first girls team to win a state championship in any sport in the history of Buford High School. Mm -hmm. um, consequently, while our school thought we can be great in football, I don't think any of our girls sports ever really believed they could be state championship worthy. Um, and so developing a mindset, and it's interesting because I was coming straight out of football and taking over the softball program. That was my first year in softball. Um, and, and the girls were always asking, well, why does everybody care so much about football? And, and, and why do they, well, so many people go to the football game and nobody comes to our softball game. And I'm like, mm -hmm. you, well, first off, you have to be a product worthy of their attention, you know? And if you don't play with an enthusiasm and excitement and an execution and a love, like our football program plays with, then that's kind of the standard around here that fans are used to seeing. If you don't bring those same things to the field, you're probably not going to gain fans. You know, there's a standard, and we've got to learn to play to that. Uh, when, we, when we can execute, you know, and play hard and, and play together and, you know, and, and show respect for the game the way they do, things will improve. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the interesting things, I had a, a senior that year, my first year, and the first time I met with him, I told him, you know, we're going to spend a lot of time becoming a family. And she came up to me afterwards and she said, but coach, we're already family. And I'm like, mm, no, you think you are, but you truly don't know what becoming a family really is. And so taking those things I learned from helping be a part of that Buford football program and the things we were trying to do with our baseball program. Um, our, our, quite honestly, our softball program was really an all-star program uh, that had minimal interest in being a great high school program. We had good players. We had kids. In fact, I had a player on that team that was a junior tell me, Coach, I really don't care about high school softball. I just kind of play it for fun. All I really want to do, all I care about really is our travel team. Um, convincing them that high school should be more as important as travel was kind of the breakthrough for us. And, and I don't know if you face it like with AAU basketball versus you know high school sure. basketball. They get to do a lot of cool stuff with AAU basketball. And College coaches come to AEU tournaments, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, and I'm convincing your kids that, yeah, the, all those things are necessary and good, but so are all the things we do. And when you're successful in your community, like a Walnut Grove or a Buford versus an AAU team or a travel softball team, you become legendary. Your, your name and your picture will go on a wall somewhere when you you win a state championship for a school. They'll still remember it 10 or 15 years. You win an AAU championship, nobody remembers 10 weeks later. It's never really recorded anywhere, you know? And so trying to create that, that ownership of a program among your kids and, and valuing that program while not devaluing the other things they do. And, you know, I always told our kids that the travel ball, whether it's baseball or softball, and high school ball have equal, equal importance. The competition, the exposure, those things, the travel are great for the, for the AAU world. But you learn how to practice. You learn how to be a good teammate. You learn how to be a good student. You learn how to work in a weight room. You learn how to do it every single day in a high school exactly like you're going to be required to do every day in a college. Right. At Murphy at Alabama may love the way you play in a, in a weekend of travel softball. But what he doesn't know is can you come to the university of Alabama and be in the weight room at five o'clock every morning and then go to class and then come to basket to softball workouts and then go to study hall 
Will you respect your teacher? You know what I mean? There's so much that we sure. do in high school that's identical to what college expects. And so AAU or travel softball or baseball will provide them exposure, great competition, you know, travel experiences. But there ain't an AAU team that can speak to a kid's ability to work in the weight room. Do they respect their teachers? Do they get along with their classmates? What are they like in the locker room? You know, are they a great teammate? All those things are so valuable. And so trying to create a culture within your high school program of, yeah, that's great and we support you, but you don't stand a chance even if you get a scholarship unless you do this great as well. And so that 2017 was a special bunch of girls that had been to the final four the year before. Uh, they were dying to be more. Uh, they had a sense they could be special. Um, and, and, you know, we were fortunate. They just bought into a lot of the things we were saying, maybe because I'd won championships as assistant coach for football or whatever reason. Um, it, it, it just worked out really well. And a great bunch of kids. And then, of course, they set the standard not only for our softball program, but Gene's team wins the state championship, I believe, two years later. And, and I think it was easier for his kids to believe they could win one because, hey, those, you know, Buford can be good at girls sports. You know, now arguably we're better at girls sports than we are boys sports. You know, it's it's debatable for sure. Right, for sure. Um, Coach, I, man, I really appreciate you giving me an insight. I, I, I want to just kind of go over some key points uh, because, hey, this is, hey, I'm here to learn. And so is Pete. Um, I love your fundamental period, those five simple fundamentals, not 10, but five, uh, repeated practice on a daily basis. Um, the school having a same mindset together, which is very hard to do. Poise is very important in your Buford way. I love brutally honest Monday. I love that. Um, I love clinics every day. We as coaches need to collaborate more. Uh, and you mentioned about collaboration there at Buford. No jealousy. Take ownership. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I just love all the key points. I could have gone on and on, but we don't, I, you know, you got to go. But I just want to tell you, um, I really appreciate you sharing what it takes to be successful. And I know athletic directors or coaches are going to get a lot out of this. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. How can coaches get a hold of you? What's the best way? Oh, they can, certainly they can email me at tony.wolf at bufordcityschools.org. Uh, you know, um, uh, I am on social media. I'm not a big, I'm not a Gene Durden social media Twitter guy, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm out there at BHS Coach Wolf. And, uh, you know, I'll gladly talk to anybody share anything i have with anybody I, i've been blessed i've had people like jess simpson and dexter and gene and and even my high school coaches you know who poured into me and made me who i am and uh you know i i i'll be happy to share that with anybody and everybody that, that has any interest yeah coach jordan is a rock star we call him the, with all my coaches talk we call him the goat Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> he, he believes that too now <laughs> exactly man he's a rock star uh but you know what i should be yours and gene's agent and we'll go around the state and give clinics man because I, I i can listen to you guys all day pete what are your final words for tony well i think a great culture is one of is one of affirmation i think the kids but Coaches know this sometimes, but they don't teach their kids. Anything you want, it has to be intentionally taught. And first of all, and what I'm getting from you is this as well, is you have to have a culture of affirmation. Each kid's got to know he's got to be a, a farmer. And the other one is, is a culture of nurturing. That means you bring something of value to the table to each one of your teammates. And the other is a culture of protection that is a teammate. I'm going to protect you when you're at your worst moment. I'm going to help you. And I want you to listen to me. And then the culture of, of providing, what do you bring to the table? What you, and, but they have to be taught that you're expecting that from them as an each and uh, uh, teammate. And then the last thing that, that a coach uh, Furtado does so well 
is a culture of celebration. I, I, I coach boys and girls, and nobody can celebrate like girls. They just <laughs> right. are way ahead of us boys on that. But now I'm going to tell you, Coach Furtado's team, they know how to celebrate. And I think it makes all the difference in the world. And um, I just enjoyed listening to you today. It was, a, it was a learning experience, a great experience. By the way, I just want to say this. In the 70s, the principal from Buford High School called me and offered me the Buford job. And I said no. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> we, I'll tell you this. We were averaging... We were averaging about 94 points a game, and he had seen us play. And uh, I think that's what he wanted. But I, I'm sure he's probably not even around anymore. That was a long time ago. Yeah, if if it was Charlie Musselwhite, who was, I know, in the late 70s and, and 80s, I'm not sure who was before him, but Charlie passed uh, about a year ago. Um, one of the things that you spoke to made me – one of the key things I've shared with our athletic program this year is anything you expect, you have to clearly define. And I was like, so if you tell your kids to go clean, go clean their rooms, if you've got three kids, there'll be three levels of cleaning done. <laughs> it's all inspected. Clearly defining what your expectations right. are is hugely important. Um, and it's just like you was talking about, and, and, and making kids feel valued. I, Gene is Gene and I have spent numerous times talking about you have to make every kid clearly feel valued, regardless of the contribution they're going to make on the field or the court. If you keep them, you better value them, and then you have to communicate that, just as you were saying. Communicate their value to, to you and your program, you know, each and every day. That's a great point. I love that. I love we're going to end on that. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time out. Wish you, wish you guys the best of luck. And I know I always keep track of what's going on at Buford. So thank you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thanks, Coach. All right. Have a good day. You too. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happens. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. 
Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer.